Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. The Southern Pines, that's alive. You guys get the, the privilege of putting your hands together. The first family, of course, we are so affectionate. Southern Pines, Seven Lakes coming together. So come on, everybody on the Southern Pines campus, say hello to everybody at the Seven Lakes. Pastor Jimmy, Lucas, Booker, uh, Frankie V. Man, you guys are amazing out there. Appreciate what you guys do. And Seven Lakes, you guys get ready. A new building is just along the way. It's getting really, really close. So pretty exciting for that stuff. Hey, we have another family digitally coming with us. So Southern Pines, one more time. Will you guys say hello to Cornerstone Church out of Lynchburg? Say hello to everybody there. Sam, Stella, good to see you. Virgil, Detria. We've got a lot of family that are out there, too. Also, the Casey family. Just a, a good bunch all around. Well, I don't know if you guys have been to church over the last couple weeks or over the past couple months, but what we've been talking about is this very idea of our mission as followers of Jesus. We have been giving our life to have a relationship with God, and we don't just sit on the couch waiting for Him to return. And He gives us the responsibility and he makes us accountable, and then he empowers us to bring back this absolutely impossible task of the restoration of humanity. He said, hey, listen, I've been doing it for three years. Now I'm going to go up to heaven, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the responsibility and the power to restore the rest of humanity. <laughs> That's not a light assignment. He just kind of drops it. I'm going to put this right there. I'll see you later. <laughs> Jesus literally floats off to heaven and comes back. And his last words in Jeremiah, I mean, uh, in Matthew 28 are make disciples of all nations. So, so that's what we're doing. You, you guys know very well, if you've been a part of our family, you know very well our, our vision statement. Where are we going is to fill the city with Jesus. We are not stopping until all aspects of our society in this city where you live, in the, the neighboring community, in our county, is filled and saturated and inundated with the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Come on, this, this is just what we breathe and live for. It's what we're going after. It's not so that we can do church, not so that we can fill the seats, it's so we can fill the city with the presence of hope and life and, and change and grace and mercy. But then we're thinking, okay, that's a great vision, <laughs> that's a great dream, and it will be a dream unless we actually attach some sort of an execution plan. That's our mission. This is how we do it. How do we plan on filling the city? Is by making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, help me out, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that God has commanded you. Behold, he's like, just wait for it. Behold, catch this. Behold, I'm going to make it obvious. I'm going to be with you until the end of the day. Like, like Jesus says, I know it's impossible, but I'm going to be with you until I finish the work in and through you. <laughs> Are you guys ready for this or what? I feel like that could be a message in itself. I can just leave here and be like, yeah, that's about it. That's all we got. That is an impossible endeavor. Like that's it. Our vision and our mission attached together. We have some work to do. Have you guys just like just went outside and just watched the news? God, we have our work cut out for us. You're not very excited about the restoration of humanity. It's fine. It's fine. It's not really... On everybody's heart like it should be. Uh, but, listen, what I want to talk about is, is this process of discipleship as we continue forward. The topic of today, because we've been doing a lot of them and we're going to continue to do, is when we talk about making disciples, there's one thing that we really need to know. 
And it's the anatomy of your heart. It's the anatomy of your soul. How does that thing function? You know, because when we're in discipleship relationship, let's just imagine it for a second. How about we just have coffee? You and I are sitting down together. And we go through the process of, hey, how's life? And you tell me what's going on. Tell me about your schedule. You tell me about work. And tell me about home life. And then, and then I just, you know, I lean in and I say, how's your soul? How's your heart doing? You're like, whoa, back up. That's a little intrusive. That's a little much, you know. I, I was fine keeping it at a distance. Some safe questions would have been like, work is good. I'm making money. So just back off. All right? I'm not getting fired today. But when someone leans in and says, hey, man, I'm concerned for you. How's your soul doing? You're like, that's intrusive. That's like busting down the front door of your house and be like, give me all your money and and show me where the valuables are. This is an emotionally costly question. And when you are in a discipleship relationship and you really want to be formed and fashioned to look like Jesus from the inside out, which you do, by the way, you already signed up for that. If that's in your heart, this question is mandatory. How's your soul? How's your heart doing? Like almost every single men's group I have ever done, that comes up frequently, frequently. How's your, how's your soul? How's, good. Because you know you can play the game and everything can look good. But here's the thing. This principle was introduced to us in the Old Testament. And you probably know the story. David, you probably know him as King David, the warrior, the poet, come on somebody, the King David. He, when he was chosen by a giant of the faith named Samuel, a prophet, came to his dad's house, lined up all the men. Show me the next king. I absolutely will. Is it this guy? He looks like a king. Is it? No, it's not that guy. Is it this guy? He definitely has the physique. He has the stature of a king. He looks like a warrior. He went down every single brother that Jesse had, the sons of Jesse. He went every single one of them and said, I'm exhausted. We've knocked down all of them. You said no. God said no on every single one of them. And then the principle. 1 Samuel chapter 16. God says this to Samuel, but he also says it to you and I. Man looks on the outside appearance where God, somebody finish it, where God looks at the heart. Yeah, so here we are, discipleship. God says, that's what I'm focused on. You know, Eugene Peterson has this line, and he says the Bible, Old and New Testament, the Bible is more interested in the inside than it is the outside. Pretty plain and simple. Can I, can I just say, can I say this? When you look at this particular book, you look at the, the three-fourths of it is the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament is all about the practical, the outward, the action, um, the living. Prosperity came when you, when you could see the benefit of, of following God. And, and the big example is, is guys like uh, David and, and the Israelites. They have victory in war. Why? Physically. Why? Because God was with them. Solomon was rich. That was a, 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 an outward sign that the favor of God was on him with wisdom. Are, are you following me? That's the Old Testament. It is outward in nature. Then you move to the other part of the other third of the Bible, and you go to the New Testament. And what is it focused on? Jesus introduces himself on the scene. He said, you've heard it said of old that you're blessed if everybody can see it. But I'm telling you, the focus is now on the inside. Are you following 
So he said, on the Old Testament, it's like, hey, the outside is the evidence that God loves you. But now Jesus is like, I'm telling you, I have a new target. Well, what is it? Well, I introduced it to you in 1 Samuel 16. Man is concerned on the outward appearance. Like you guys are looking, you, you guys are trying, all of us are trying to look like Solomon, rich and famous. But God's like, I would rather you be formed and fashioned, transformed, shaped from the inside out. Thus, the question, how's your soul? Does anything else matter? Apparently to Jesus, this is pretty top shelf here. He says, you know, what does it profit you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit the internal condition of your heart? What does it benefit you if your retirement is amazing? What does it matter if you have a big house, but you have an empty soul? Jesus is like, let's just get right to the point. You're going to end this life at some point in time, and everything is going to be uh, leaving. Literally everything that comes into the world physically is going to leave it just like it came in. But there's going to be something that lasts forever. And it's the unseen. It's your soul. It's your heart. So when God says man looks on the outward, but God looks at the inside, and you and I have this, this probing question that Jesus said, hey, how's your soul? How's your heart doing? You're like, oh, man. Whew, I don't know. Man, that's, a, that's a good question. Can you ask him first? You know, Somebody else go. I don't even know how to answer that. Now we need to dig into what the scripture says about the anatomy of of your heart, the anatomy of your soul. You need to know how this thing works, right? You need to know that, how this thing operates. Can I just give you a really quick correlation? Can I, can I, I love feedback, so when I ask a question, it's not like, uh, so, so let me just parallel this real quick. It would be so weird for us to go to the doctor and to say, hey, listen, doc, um, been having some aches, got some symptoms, some pain, and he's like, okay, cool, let's take a look. I think it has something to do with my stomach. And then he's like, okay, um, let's go ahead and take a look around this region right here. Everything looks good. Just can you move it around? I can move it around. Yeah, everything looks fine. I'm like, maybe I'm not seeing the right guy. Because <laughs> there's one thing that you're assuming when you go to the doctor, that he knows the anatomy of how the inside of this thing works. Now, true story, true story. I just went to the doctor for my yearly checkup. I'm good, by the way. I don't know if you're wondering. And it was in December. It was in December. Thanks. Did I get a clap? <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. I went to the doctor in December, and, and, and I said, hey, listen, <laughs> this is a true story. I can't make this up. I said, I have a pinch. Every once in a while, just a pinching that's going on. And I, and I, I leaned into him, and I said, is that my appendix? I've heard about people's appendixes, you know, just blown up, you know. And I said, I said, I got a pinch right back here. I just know your appendixes. And I was like, I'm just glad you know. <laughs> just, that's, just, that's the point. But I, I feel like sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to our soul. <laughs> like the condition of our soul. Man, I am just depressed. Why? I don't know. It's just, you know how this thing works? I don't really. <laughs> you should probably get to know the anatomy of your soul. And so you know the symptoms that pop up are something that's getting connected to the inside and unseen room. Okay, now, listen, all that was contact. We have, so we have some work to do. I want you to stay with me because this is going to be like a master's class of going deep into the anatomy of the heart. Are you, are you with me? Are you, are you ready? So when, when you look at this idea, I, I, I want to make sure that this is what the New Testament calls life in the spirit. 
being led by the Spirit, being transformed by the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit. Sometimes people think that this idea is is pretty elusive, it's real mysterious, and don't get me wrong, there is some mystery when it comes to God, only because he's so big that even if you just go on an endeavor to, to know who he is, you still wouldn't know everything. But when it comes to the anatomy of your heart and your soul, we need to know how this thing works, what's in there, the components of your inner world, just as much as your mechanic needs to know how your car works when he pops the hood and you say it's not working. Just like a doctor needs to know how the inside works, you and I can't see it. It's covered with sin, with with skin. But when you look at that thing, a doctor needs to be able to say, I know what's going on. Based on what? Based on I know the anatomy of how that thing works on the inside. So the primary scripture we're going to be working off of, if you have your your Bibles, is go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5 has a concentrated view of our, our makeup, of our anatomy. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pop the hood on your soul. We're going to go behind the scenes. We're going to do a little bit of surgery. And we're going to look inside of the anatomy of your heart and say, what kind of components is it? You know, because some people would say there's, there's two components inside of you. Some can say that there's three. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody says. What does the Bible refer to? Because that's what we need to know right? doesn't matter what people say. Are you with me? It, it matters what the Bible says. So First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. It says, may the God of all peace himself, these are two big and really important words, sanctify you, which would just mean to transform, to change, to mold and shape and to form. Um, it's a supernatural work of the of this Holy Spirit. That's sanctify. It's In layman's term, it's God's process of making you look more like Jesus. So it's, it's not just about you going to heaven someday. It's about the process of you looking more like Jesus so heaven can come down in and through you. But that's for another message. So may the God of all peace himself sanctify you. Now here's the big word, completely. Do you know God is not into partial work? Everything that he starts, come on, you, you got to know this. Everything that he starts, he will finish. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. So... So here it is. He's going to sanctify you. And if he started the war, if he started salvation, you know he's going to see it to completion. He's going to sanctify you completely. That's why this discipleship thing is a holistic, it's a holistic idea. For us, we need to, to make sure that the process of looking more like Jesus encompasses every aspect of who we are. So what are those aspects? Here they are. He said that we may be sanctified completely. May your whole, and here are the three components, spirit, soul, and body. Your physical body, that what you can, what you can look at, what you, can, you feel, that thing is just a vehicle. It's just a, a, a the Bible calls flesh. Um, it's just a temple. It's just a container. And, and Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says you're, how many of you know this? He says, your outer man is wasting away. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But your inner man is being renewed day by day. 
Come on, aren't you glad that as, as one component of your body, uh, of your being, is being broken down, the other is being renewed and encouraged and strengthened? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't seem so excited about that. But anyway, you'll just, that's just a truth that will just resonate one day. You're, when, you, when you have aches and pains, you're like, but my soul is strong. <laughs> you'll, you'll be thankful for that. You'll just be thankful. Okay, so, so here it is. May, may your whole body be sanctified completely, spirit, soul, and body. The body is the container of two uh, of two areas inside of you. What are they? The spirit and the soul. Two areas. So, what is the spirit? Because this is there, there's a lot of people say different things. What does the Bible say? The, the Bible says that it, the spirit that this one, First Thessalonians chapter five, is, is referring to is the Holy Spirit. It's the reference of pneuma. The, the P is silent in the Greek word pneuma. It's the same spirit that hovered over the waters at the very beginning. It's the same spirit. Oh, this one is going to excite the guys. It's the same spirit that came on Samson yeah, to crush like a thousand Philistines at the jawbone of a donkey. That's a good story. You should really read that one. So it's the same spirit that comes and covers Solomon and David. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead. It's the same spirit that dwells inside of you. It's the same Holy Spirit that Paul says in Ephesians 5, you should be filled with that spirit. Filled isn't a, did you do it yesterday? You're good. No, it's a present tense continuation. Be filled. I am. More. <laughs> you know, A.W. Tozer says you have much of God as you want. Are you satisfied? That's a dangerous place to be. You don't ever want to be satisfied with the very nature of God. You just, you want to hunger for more because everyone who's hungry and thirsty will be satisfied. <laughs> you guys are good. So, so when you look at this idea, there's, there's something about the Spirit of God that, that is a makeup of who we are. Now, small but really important caveat. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of those believers. Not everybody. So there is a, a this is the, the the fancy word the theological term is is trichotomy. There's three part being. That's a, the spirit, soul, and body. There is a dichotomy where people are only made up of a soul and and a physical body, just two parts. And so when you look at that, you, then you can go back to the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Said you need to be born again. Why? Because you are dead. You are not alive. You're dead in your sin unless you become alive in Christ. When you believe the gospel story and you take him at his word, the Holy Spirit, Ephesians says, come as a seal inside of you and you get filled. Then there's warnings to say, don't quench the Holy Spirit now that he's inside of you. The Holy Spirit is one part of the three parts. I told you this is master class. Are you still with me? I know you're just taking notes. You're just listening. You're just taking it all in. Okay. So the three parts inside of you. The Spirit of God is, is dwelling inside of you if you believe. Now the other part, this one's going to get real detailed, is the soul. Now the soul is a makeup of a whole bunch of components that we have an entire branch of called psychology. 
The root word for soul is psych or psyche. It's where psychologists get the focus mostly just about the mind and the power of your thoughts. How many of you know, come on, everybody that's here, how powerful your mind and your thoughts can be? Come on, this, this is Proverbs all over the place talking about what you think of is who you become. And just as the heart reflects on the face, so does a mirror reflect what you look like. And that's just the correlation. What happens on the inside shows up on, on the outside. The mind is really, really powerful. Psych or soul, in this case, is just one aspect of it. Follow me. You gotta, I'm going to pull all this together, and I just want to make sure you're with me. The soul has the mind, but it also has the emotions. It also has desires. It also has ambition. It has this makeup of a whole bunch of components that we don't see, but we're driven by. Did you catch that? You can't see them. You can't touch them, but you're driven by them. Have you ever been driven by ambition, driven by desire, driven by lust and greed? Come on, somebody. I don't, now you're getting all quiet on me. However, you've been driven by love. You've been driven by goals. You've been driven by something inside. You're just like consistent. This is owning me. I have to do this. It could be an addiction in a good way. It could also be an addiction in a bad way. But something inside of you that you just you can't touch, but you know is, is ruling you, is, is leading you, is supplying you. There's something inside of you that is the soul. That's the soul. That's your desires, that's your emotions, that's your will, that's your ambition, that's your hopes, that's your dreams, that's your fears. Are you getting all those? I just listed off a bunch. There's a lot in there. You're a com- Can I just tell you, you're a complicated being. <laughs> yeah. So, so am I, though. Just make sure we're on the same page. So, and, and then the body. Now, listen, quick side note. I'm going to do a message later on because we're, we're talking about holistic discipleship. I'm going to do a message later on simply about the physical health and the participation of our, our physical body and what that does to our, our three-part being. Because I don't know if you guys realize this, but what we do with our physical body matters. Yes, we're going to get a new body, but that doesn't mean that we neglect the one that we have now. But that's not for today's message. I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to do that later on because that's important to Jesus and in the Old Testament. Okay, anyway, I'm just going to back in. Okay, now we're, we're popping the hood. Looking at the anatomy, I'm slowing down because I want to make sure you're with me. And we've looked at the three-part being. You are, say it with me, and if you can put that up there, we need a, a cheat um, scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We are going to be made whole, sanctified completely, your whole spirit, soul, body. So the, the, the makeup, if you were just to, to open it up, do some surgery, look inside of here. You believe in Jesus, then you have the spirit of God inside of you. Also inside of there is the soul. What is the soul made up of? It's your mind, your will, your emotions, your ambitions, your desire, your hopes, your fear, you know, all those things all packed up in there. So, so when you have your thought life and your emotions, they're, they're, they're moving in together, but they're also at war with one another. Did you know that? You want to know why? Let me tell you a biblical fact about this word soul. It has a, the, the part of speech in the Greek is feminine. So the soul has a feminine connotation to it. It's important because, let, let me just tell you like this. Your soul should never be leading your life. 
the feminine aspect of your soul should be submitted to the Holy Spirit inside of you. That is what Paul says, be led by the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Walk, not by sight, but by faith. How do you do that? That's what I want to talk about. We have to unfold and really get to the anatomy of this so that you know how these nuances work together. There's a soul inside of you, your mind, your will, and your emotions. How do you follow the Holy Spirit? How are you led by the Holy Spirit? This, this is how. When you, when you see the makeup, there's going to be a, a, a big change and a big shift here. But I want to make sure that we're all, we're all tracking. <clears throat> all right, now listen to this. May the God of all peace himself sanctify you completely. So what needs to be sanctified? Let me just ask you a question. Does the Holy Spirit need to be sanctified? No. He's good. It's perfect. It's the third part of the Trinity. I think he's, I think he's kind of arrived. Thankfully, by the grace of God, he dwells inside of you. Dwells inside of me if we believe. Okay? So that God himself sanctify you completely, whole spirit, soul, and body. Does your body and your soul need to be sanctified? Yeah. Okay, now let's get practical. Does your mind need to be sanctified? Does your emotions need to be sanctified? Does your drive, your competitive nature, your ambition, your motives, do those need to be sanctified? Okay, then how? Here's life in the spirit. The the very things that I just listed off, the soul, the encompasses of the soul, which is feminine by nature, submits to the Holy Spirit. The process of your ambitions, your emotions, your mind, your thoughts need to be underneath the Spirit of God inside of you. Now, now you understand what Paul says in Romans 7, there's a war going on inside of me. I want to do what's right. Sometimes I don't do what's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because let let me just give you a picture. Okay, let's just zoom in. Let me just give you an uh, analogy. Uh, This one did not happen, but it is going to be in the context of a waiting room in a doctor's uh, office. So let's just say you're in a doctor's office and and you're a believer and God talks to you every once in a while by way of thought process, by way of impression. So you're minding your own business. You're just sitting down in the waiting room like, you know, a few other. It's not 30 people, but it's maybe like 13. And you're just sitting there reading a magazine, waiting for your name to be called. And then just random thought and impression comes in your mind. This person right here needs to be encouraged. They need some hope. Ooh, gosh, that's not me thinking that, (laughs) you know, I don't know this person. I don't know their name. I've never seen them before. And by the grace of God, I never will. You know, it's one of those, it's like you get this impression and you're like, this person needs hope. You just encourage them. So you're thinking, oh, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. The process of your emotions and your thoughts are at war. So, so immediately you get this, the Spirit of God says something, hey, encourage them. <laughs> no, you're going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> okay, so do you remember whenever Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I want you to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Insert opportunity number one to deny yourself. Sitting in the weight room, this person needs encouragement. What's the issue? Your ego. You're thinking too much about, well, what are they going to look at me? No, that's not the point. You crush the ego. You deny yourself. 
You put their interest above yours, and you do the warring where? In your emotions and your mind to have the, the idea, the impression from God be submitted to. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit because now he's going to empower me to go do the simple gesture of encouraging somebody. You know the prophetic words inside of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 say that we need to edify and strengthen people? That's what they do. What are you about to give this person? Maybe a prophetic word. What's it going to do? Edify, encourage, and strengthen. Anybody interested? Anybody interested in being used by God? Yes. So this process, listen to this process. I deny myself. I walk across the room. I sit down. You're just as uncomfortable as they are. Listen, I, I don't know you. Just felt like you need to be encouraged, give you some hope. Don't know why you're in this doctor's office. Uh, this is why I'm here. But I, just, I was sitting across the room. I have a relationship with God. It's still being worked out. But I just felt like he just wanted me to come over and just say, you know, there is hope in him. Be encouraged. Better days are coming. And, and I don't know if there's an opportunity, but if, if I could pray for you, then I'd be great. No, 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 I'm good. Okay, fine, fine, fine. You go back and you read your magazine. And, and you're just like everybody else in it, just flipping through the magazine. But now you, you, you feel so good. Why? Because you were just used by God. The Spirit was being led in that circumstance. And it took you warring against your thoughts and your emotions, putting those aside, crucifying, denying those, so that you could do what God's asking you to do. Come on, are you following me? So he, here we are. I want to go just a step further, and I want you to look at this. Um, the primary way that we are led by the Spirit, that we are built by the Holy Spirit, is through the very Word of God. How does He speak to us? How does He transform us? How does He shape us? It's this good book right here. Okay, so now just getting practical. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and then I'm going to bring in a, uh, a practical, and then I'm going to wrap this whole thing up. Hebrews chapter 4 says that the Word of God, if you can put that up there, the Word of God is sharper than, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, listen to this, because now you know how this thing works. Piercing to the division of what? Your heart, that your inner man, the soul and the spirit. Piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. And then he goes... Then he goes practical on the physical. It's like the very nuance of piercing the separation between joints and marrow. So I'm talking about the spiritual, but I don't know if you're connecting this. So he said, let me just give you a physical analogy. The joints and the marrow. Okay, I'm, I'm following. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the what? The heart. The heart is the makeup of this whole being right here. Is it your emotions? Yes. Is it your will? Yes. Your ambitions, your fears, your hopes, your soul, your mind, yes. That's the, come on, that's the heart. The heart. The Bible says the heart is central. The heart is key. You know where God put the physical heart inside of you? Central. You want to know why? Because it's a parallel and a correlation to your spiritual heart. Come on, I want you to follow this. The heart is the soul. It is the the mind, the will, the emotions, the seedbed of all that is indivisible. So what is the Word of God doing? It says the Word of God is alive, living and active. Well, what does it do? It comes in when you read it with humility. It comes in and it speaks to you. And it separates, this is God, that's you. 
This is the part that needs to be crucified. This is the part that needs to be edified. This is the part that needs to be pruned. This is the part that needs to be strengthened. And so you know what surgery does? Surgery can be cut for healing purposes. Sometimes we have to have physical um, uh, surgery because we have to go to the doctor for good reasons, for healing reasons. I will gladly lay down if a surgeon who knows what they're doing will come in and take out what's affecting me and impacting me in a bad way. This is what the, the Word of God does. Jeremiah says the Word of God is like a hammer or a fire. It purifies and it chisels away the old you. Aren't you thankful? You will be later. You're not, so, you're not so joyful about it now. But the Word of God is living and active, and it works out. What does it work out? The Spirit-led life. It empowers you, and it, and it shows you the very areas that nobody else can show you. The person that knows you best can't come in like the Holy Spirit and the Word of God can. He can show you, hey, you're being prideful. Really? No, I'm not. That's your ego. That's what needs to die right there. And, and, and hey, go talk to that person. No, not me. That's also your old self. That's your mind, your, your, your soul, your emotions. What does that do? They need to be sanctified. The soul needs to be submitted up under the spirit so I can be spirit-led. Listen, the, I, I usually give an analogy whenever we talk about this thing. And the soul is just like the dashboard to a car. Nobody would ever drive a car focused on the dashboard. Hey, I'm, I'm going to run out of gas any moment now. Any moment now, I'm just going to run out of gas. I can just feel it. And the light's on. Nobody would ever do that. You drive the car by looking outward. But if you don't every once in a while pay attention to the dashboard, you're going to be in trouble. So when emotions, emotions pop up, when anger, you're like, man, where did that come from? I don't know. Just suppress it. Don't suppress it. God's communicating through the anger so you can give that back to him, confess, and so that he can actually free you up, break that spiritual stronghold so you can be free in the name of Jesus. Come on, are you catching this? This is the process. But, we, but listen, when anger pops up, it's going to come up with a fight. When, when impatience come up, it's going to come with a fight. Because your emotions, your soul bed is so familiar. But I'm, listen, let, let me just get real practical. Your habitual sin that you want to be free of, but you can't. Your soul, your emotions, your mind, it's so familiar. And it's not going to give it up easy. But the Spirit of God is relentless. Hey, confess it. Bring it to me. Thank God and worship me over this area of your life. Why? Because Spirit-led is going to break that so that you can be free. And if Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's the Spirit-led life. And when we get into the, the Word, God will speak to you very words that will be impossible. You'll read these and you're like, there's no way. I, I want to live like that, but I can't. God says, but with me, you can. Let me lead the way. Let me empower. Let me strengthen. Let me supply. Let me rule so that you can allow the Spirit to do the work to sanctify the soul so that He can walk this out inside of your life. We're going to go ahead and respond, and I'm going to let it um, be passed over to our campus pastors over at Cornerstone and Jimmy over at uh, Seven Lakes. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. 
You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.